Section twenty of Tarzan the Terrible by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter twenty. Silently in the night. In a lure, the fortunes of the city had been tossed from hand to hand. The party of Kotan's loyal warriors that Tarzan had led to the rendezvous at the entrance to the secret passage below the palace gates had met with disaster. Their first rush had been met with soft words from the priests. They had been exhorted to defend the faith of their fathers from blasphemers. Jadon was painted to them as a defiler of temples, and the wrath of Jad-ben Otho was prophesied for those who embraced his cause the priests insisted that ludon's only wish was to prevent the seizure of the throne by jadon until a new king could be chosen according to the laws of the hodon the result was that many of the palace warriors joined their fellows of the city and when the priests saw that those whom they could influence outnumbered those who remained loyal to the palace they caused the former to fall upon the latter with the result that many were killed and only a handful succeeded in reaching the safety of the palace gates which they quickly barred the priests led their own forces through the secret passageway into the temple while some of the loyal ones sought out jadon and told him all that had happened the fight in the banquet hall had spread over a considerable portion of the palace grounds and had at last resulted in the temporary defeat of those who had opposed jadon this force counseled by under priests sent for the purpose by ludon had withdrawn within the temple grounds so that now the issue was plainly marked as between jadon on the one side and ludon on the other the former had been told of all that had occurred in the apartments of oloa to whose safety he had attended at the first opportunity and he had also learned of tarzan's part in leading his men to the gathering of ludon's warriors these things had naturally increased the old warrior's former inclinations of friendliness toward the ape-man and now he regretted that the other had departed from the city the testimony of oloa and panat lee was such as to strengthen whatever belief in the godliness of the stranger jadon and others of the warriors had previously entertained until presently there appeared a strong tendency upon the part of this palace faction to make the Doriul Otho an issue of their original quarrel with Ludon. Whether this occurred as the natural sequence to repeated narrations of the ape-man's exploits, which lost nothing by repetition, in conjunction with Ludon's enmity toward him, or whether it was the shrewd design of some wily old warrior such as Jadon, who realized the value of adding a religious cause to their temporal one, it were difficult to determine but the fact remained that jadon's followers developed bitter hatred for the followers of ludon because of the high priest's antagonism to tarzan unfortunately however tarzan was not there to inspire the followers of jadon with the holy zeal that might have quickly settled the dispute in the old chieftain's favor instead he was miles away and because their repeated prayers for his presence were unanswered the weaker spirits among them commenced to suspect that their cause did not have divine favor there was also another and a potent cause for defection from the ranks of jadon it emanated from the city where the friends and relatives of the palace warriors who were largely also the friends and relatives of ludon's forces 
found the means urged on by the priesthood to circulate throughout the palace pernicious propaganda aimed at ja don's cause the result was that ludon's power increased while that of ja don waned then followed a sortie from the temple which resulted in the defeat of the palace forces and though they were able to withdraw in decent order withdraw they did leaving the palace to ludon who was now virtually ruler of pal yul don jadon taking with him the princess her women and their slaves including panat lee as well as the women and children of his faithful followers retreated not only from the palace but from the city of alur as well and fell back upon his own city of jalur here he remained recruiting his forces from the surrounding villages of the north which being far removed from the influence of the priesthood of alur were enthusiastic partisans in any cause that the old chieftain espoused since for years he had been revered as their friend and protector and while these events were transpiring in the north tarzan jad guru lay in the lion pit at tulur while messengers passed back and forth between mosar and ludon as the two dickered for the throne of pal Yuldan. mosar was cunning enough to guess that should an open breach occur between himself and the high priest he might use his prisoner to his own advantage for he had heard whisperings among even his own people that suggested that there were those who were more than a trifle inclined to belief in the divinity of the stranger and that he might indeed be the doryul otho ludon wanted tarzan himself he wanted to sacrifice him upon the eastern altar with his own hands before a multitude of people since he was not without evidence that his own standing and authority had been lessened by the claims of the bold and heroic figure of the stranger the method that the high priest of tulur had employed to trap tarzan had left the ape-man in possession of his weapons though there seemed little likelihood of their being of any service to him he also had his pouch in which were the various odds and ends which are the natural accumulation of all receptacles from a gold mesh-bag to an attic there were bits of obsidian and choice feathers for arrows some pieces of flint and a couple of steel an old knife a heavy bone needle and strips of dried gut nothing very useful to you or me perhaps but nothing useless to the savage life of the ape-man when tarzan realized the trick that had been so neatly played upon him he had awaited expectantly the coming of the lion for though the scent of jaw was old he was sure that sooner or later they would let one of the beasts in upon him his first consideration was a thorough exploration of his prison he had noticed the hide-covered windows and these he immediately uncovered letting in the light and revealing the fact that though the chamber was far below the level of the temple courts it was yet many feet above the base of the hill from which the temple was hewn the windows were so closely barred that he could not see over the edge of the thick wall in which they were cut to determine what lay close in below him at a little distance were the blue waters of jadin lul and beyond the verdure clad farther shore and beyond that the mountains it was a beautiful picture upon which he looked a picture of peace and harmony and quiet nor anywhere a slightest suggestion of the savage men and beasts that claimed this lovely landscape as their own what a paradise and some day civilized man would come and spoil it ruthless axes would raise that age-old wood black sticky smoke would rise from ugly chimneys against that azure sky 
grimy little boats with wheels behind or upon either side would churn the mud from the bottom of jadin lul turning its blue waters to a dirty brown hideous piers would project into the lake from squalid buildings of corrugated iron doubtless for of such are the pioneer cities of the world but would civilized man come tarzan hoped not for countless generations civilization had ramped about the globe it had dispatched its emissaries to the north pole and the south it had circled paul yuldan once perhaps many times but it had never touched her god grant that it never would perhaps he was saving this little spot to be always just as he had made it for the scratching of the hodan and the wasdan upon his rocks had not altered the fair face of nature through the windows came sufficient light to reveal the whole interior to tarzan the room was fairly large and there was a door at each end a large door for men and a smaller one for lions both were closed with heavy masses of stone that had been lowered in grooves running to the floor the two windows were small and closely barred with the first iron that tarzan had seen in paluldan the bars were let into holes in the casing and the hole so strongly and neatly contrived that escape seemed impossible yet within a few minutes of his incarceration tarzan had commenced to undertake his escape the old knife in his pouch was brought into requisition and slowly the ape-man began to scrape and chip away the stone from about the bars of one of the windows it was slow work but tarzan had the patience of absolute health each day food and water were brought to him and slipped quickly beneath the smaller door which was raised just sufficiently to allow the stone receptacles to pass in the prisoner began to believe that he was being preserved for something besides lions however that was immaterial if they would but hold off for a few more days they might select what fate they would he would not be there when they arrived to announce it and then one day came pansat ludan's chief tool to the city of tulur he came ostensibly with a fair message for mosar from the high priest at Alur. ludan had decided that mosar should be king and he invited mosar to come at once to Alur. and then pansat having delivered the message asked that he might go to the temple of tulur and pray and there he sought the high priest of tulur to whom was the true message that ludan had sent the two were closeted alone in a little chamber and pansat whispered into the ear of the high priest mosar wishes to be king he said and ludan wishes to be king mosar wishes to retain the stranger who claims to be the Doryulotho, and ludan wishes to kill him and now he leaned even closer to the ear of the high priest of tulur if you would be high priest of Alur, it is within your power pansat ceased speaking and waited for the other's reply the high priest was visibly affected to be high priest at Alur, that was almost as good as being king of all pal yuldan for great were the powers of him who conducted the sacrifices upon the altars of Alur. how whispered the high priest how may i become high priest at Alur? again pansat leaned close by killing the one and bringing the other to allure replied he then he rose and departed knowing that the other had swallowed the bait and could be depended upon to do whatever was required to win him the great prize nor was pansat mistaken other than in one trivial consideration this high priest would indeed commit murder and treason to attain the high office at allure 
but he had misunderstood which of his victims was to be killed and which to be delivered to ludon pansat knowing himself all the details of the plannings of ludon had made the quite natural error of assuming that the other was perfectly aware that only by publicly sacrificing the false Doriel Otho could the high priest at Allure bolster his waning power and that the assassination of Mosar the pretender would remove from Ludon's camp the only obstacle to his combining the offices of high priest and king. The high priest at Tulur thought that he had been commissioned to kill Tarzan and bring Mosar to Allure. He also thought that when he had done these things he would be made high priest at Allure but he did not know that already the priest had been selected who was to murder him within the hour that he arrived at Allure. nor did he know that a secret grave had been prepared for him in the floor of a subterranean chamber in the very temple he dreamed of controlling and so when he should have been arranging the assassination of his chief he was leading a dozen heavily bribed warriors through the dark corridors beneath the temple to slay tarzan in the lion pit night had fallen a single torch guided the footsteps of the murderers as they crept stealthily upon their evil way for they knew that they were doing the thing that their chief did not want done and their guilty consciences warned them to stealth in the dark of his cell the ape-man worked at his seemingly endless chipping and scraping his keen ears detected the coming of footsteps along the corridor without footsteps that approached the larger door always before had they come to the smaller door the footsteps of a single slave who brought his food this time there were many more than one and their coming at this time of night carried a sinister suggestion tarzan continued to work at his scraping and chipping he heard them stop beyond the door all was silence broken only by the scrape 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 of the ape-man's tireless blade those without heard it and listening sought to explain it they whispered in low tones making their plans two would raise the door quickly and the others would rush in and hurl their clubs at the prisoner they would take no chances for the stories that had circulated in allure had been brought to tulur stories of the great strength and wonderful prowess of tarzan jadguru that caused the sweat to stand upon the brows of the warriors though it was cool in the damp corridor and they were twelve to one and when the high priest gave the signal the door shot upward and ten warriors leaped into the chamber with poised clubs three of the heavy weapons flew across the room toward a darker shadow that lay in the shadow of the opposite wall then the flare of the torch in the priest's hand lighted the interior and they saw that the thing at which they had flung their clubs was a pile of skins torn from the windows and that except for themselves the chamber was vacant one of them hastened to a window all but a single bar was gone and to this was tied one end of a braided rope fashioned from strips cut from the leather window hangings to the ordinary dangers of jane clayton's existence was now added the menace of obergatz's knowledge of her whereabouts the lion and the panther had given her less cause for anxiety than did the return of the unscrupulous hun whom she had always distrusted and feared and whose repulsiveness was now immeasurably augmented by his unkempt and filthy appearance his strange and mirthless laughter and his unnatural demeanour she feared him now with a new fear as though he had suddenly become the personification of some nameless horror 
the wholesome outdoor life that she had been leading had strengthened and rebuilt her nervous system yet it seemed to her as she thought of him that if this man should ever touch her she should scream and possibly even faint again and again during the day following their unexpected meeting the woman reproached herself for not having killed him as she would jaw or jato or any other predatory beast that menaced her existence or her safety there was no attempt at self-justification for these sinister reflections they needed no justification the standards by which the acts of such as you or i may be judged could not apply to hers we have recourse to the protection of friends and relatives and the civil soldiery that upholds the majesty of the law and which may be invoked to protect the righteous weak against the unrighteous strong but jane clayton comprised within herself not only the righteous weak but all the various agencies for the protection of the weak to her then lieutenant eric obergatz presented no different problem than did jaw the lion other than that she considered the former the more dangerous animal and so she determined that should he ignore her warning there would be no temporizing upon the occasion of their next meeting the same swift spear that would meet jaw's advances would meet his that night her snug little nest perched high in the great tree seemed less the sanctuary that it had before what might resist the sanguinary intentions of a prowling panther would prove no greater barrier to man and influenced by this thought she slept less well than before the slightest noise that broke the monotonous hum of the nocturnal jungle started her into alert wakefulness to lie with straining ears in an attempt to classify the origin of the disturbance and once she was awakened thus by a sound that seemed to come from something moving in her own tree she listened intently scarce breathing yes there it was again a scuffing of something soft against the hard bark of the tree the woman reached out in the darkness and grasped her spear now she felt a slight sagging of one of the limbs that supported her shelter as though the thing whatever it was was slowly raising its weight to the branch it came nearer now she thought that she could detect its breathing it was at the door she could hear it fumbling with the frail barrier what could it be it made no sound by which she might identify it she raised herself upon her hands and knees and crept stealthily the little distance to the door her spear clutched tightly in her hand whatever the thing was it was evidently attempting to gain entrance without awakening her it was just beyond the pitiful little contraption of slender boughs that she had bound together with grasses and called the door only a few inches lay between the thing and her rising to her knees she reached out with her left hand and felt until she found a place where a crooked branch had left an opening a couple of inches wide near the centre of the barrier into this she inserted the point of her spear the thing must have heard her move within for suddenly it abandoned its efforts for stealth and tore angrily at the obstacle at the same moment jane thrust her spear forward with all her strength she felt it enter flesh there was a scream and a curse from without followed by the crashing of a body through limbs and foliage her spear was almost dragged from her grasp but she held on to it until it broke free from the thing it had pierced it was obergatz the curse had told her that from below came no further sound had she then killed him she prayed so with all her heart she prayed it to be freed from the menace of this loathsome creature were relief indeed during all the balance of the night she lay there awake listening 
below her she imagined she could see the dead man with his hideous face bathed in the cold light of the moon lying there upon his back staring up at her she prayed that jaw might come and drag it away but all during the remainder of the night she heard never another sound above the drowsy hum of the jungle she was glad that he was dead but she dreaded the gruesome ordeal that awaited her on the morrow for she must bury the thing that had been eric obergatz and live on there above the shallow grave of the man she had slain she reproached herself for her weakness repeating over and over that she had killed in self-defence that her act was justified but she was still a woman of to-day and strong upon her were the iron mandates of the social order from which she had sprung its interdictions and its superstitions at last came the tardy dawn slowly the sun topped the distant mountains beyond jad and lull and yet she hesitated to loosen the fastenings of her door and look out upon the thing below but it must be done she steeled herself and untied the rawhide thong that secured the barrier she looked down and only the grass and the flowers looked up at her she came from her shelter and examined the ground upon the opposite side of the tree there was no dead man there nor anywhere as far as she could see slowly she descended keeping a wary eye and an alert ear ready for the first intimation of danger at the foot of the tree was a pool of blood and a little trail of crimson drops upon the grass leading away parallel with the shore of jad ben lul then she had not slain him she was vaguely aware of a peculiar double sensation of relief and regret now she would be always in doubt he might return but at least she would not have to live above his grave she thought some of following the bloody spoor on the chance that he might have crawled away to die later but she gave up the idea for fear that she might find him dead nearby or worse yet badly wounded what then could she do she could not finish him with her spear no she knew that she could not do that nor could she bring him back and nurse him nor could she leave him there to die of hunger or of thirst or to become the prey of some prowling beast it were better then not to search for him for fear that she might find him that day was one of nervous starting to every sudden sound the day before she would have said that her nerves were of iron but not to-day she knew now the shock that she had suffered and that this was the reaction to-morrow it might be different but something told her that never again would her little shelter and the patch of forest and jungle that she called her own be the same there would hang over them always the menace of this man no longer would she pass restful nights of deep slumber the peace of her little world was shattered for ever that night she made her door doubly secure with additional thongs of rawhide cut from the pelt of the buck she had slain the day that she met obergatz she was very tired for she had lost much sleep the night before but for a long time she lay with wide open eyes staring into the darkness what saw she there visions that brought tears to those brave and beautiful eyes visions of a rambling bungalow that had been home to her and that was no more destroyed by the same cruel force that haunted her even now in this remote uncharted corner of the earth visions of a strong man whose protecting arm would never press her close again visions of a tall straight son who looked at her adoringly out of brave smiling eyes that were like his father's always the vision of the crude simple bungalow rather than of the stately halls that had been as much a part of her life as the other but he had loved the bungalow and the broad free acres best so she had come to love them best too 
at last she slept the sleep of utter exhaustion how long it lasted she did not know but suddenly she was wide awake and once again she heard the scuffling of a body against the bark of her tree and again the limb bent to a heavy weight he had returned she went cold trembling with ague was it he or oh god had she killed him and then was this she tried to drive the horrid thought from her mind for this way she knew lay madness and once again she crept to the door for the thing was outside just as it had been last night her hands trembled as she placed the point of her weapon to the opening she wondered if it would scream as it fell end of chapter twenty read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com